We're outside the travel agency, a cannabis store that's got everyone buzzing. When I walked in, I felt like I was in the elite of the skies, like I'm about to get elevated and lifted in the best way. Got the important essential things. I need sleep, so tinctures, salves to relax my body, right? The best New York flowers. Come down to the travel agency and see for yourself. For use only by adults age 21 and older. Keep out of reach of children and pets. In case of accidental ingestion or overconsumption, contact the National Poison Control Center. Consume responsibly. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, 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 hoj här kommer Carlson, 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 ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson skulle jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, 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 Prospects report, or no, you've changed it. The Dauber Prospects review. What is the R and DPR now? I know you changed it. It's report. It was radio. Which, oh, right. Yeah, report. Okay, so it's a good show uh, with Peter Harling, and we had Peter on very recently. Uh, but this is Victor Nuno. Victor, longtime patron, keeping Carlson. Always great to talk to you. And like I just said, we've recently agreed to become co GMs in a league. So this is actually the first time we've talked in person since we've agreed to that. So maybe we should just actually make this whole show just a strategy sesh. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Thanks for having me, Elon. Always, always fun to be on the mothership, as I like to call it. Ah, come on. Uh, yeah, I guess the last time we did a show live was when we did that uh, draft, right? Mid last season. I think mm-hmm. it was on, we like split it between our show and your show where we were drafting uh, one player per team. There was four of us and we were only allowed to draft players who were like 50% rostered or less on Yahoo. And I can't recall who won, but I know that it was a pretty decisive victory for whoever. It was close. Took. It was close. I think you only won by, I don't know, 100 or something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. So people could go back and listen to that if they are you know, not sick of me bragging about things by the end of this episode, because uh, this episode, okay, here's the plan. Victor came to me. So don't blame me, by the way, if you think this episode is too much, like talking about our own leagues. But Victor and I have been in a dynasty league together for a while now. We just finished season three. Uh, Victor invited me. I'd never played dynasty before. And, uh, you know, I'd been, you know, a bunch of the different patrons were like telling me I got to give it a go. Got to learn what this is all about. Finally, Victor convinced me to join this league that they were starting. And I've had a blast. And we wanted Victor was suggesting we could go and look back at some of like the early drafts that we had. We had that prospect draft to start, which we actually did an episode of Keeping Carlson 
a couple years ago where we talked about the prospect drafts. So now it's going to be fun to look back on it, you know, a couple years later and see what were the real flubs and what were the real uh, value picks later on. And uh, in general, I guess we'll just kind of talk about Dynasty League strategy. Obviously, that's mainly, Victor, your podcast's focus. And Brian and I generally are talking about like one-year leagues and kind of like even just like week to week, like what players are hot and which free agents to add and who you can drop. And you're thinking like super long-term all the time but we're, we're bringing your expertise here to the to the mothership as you call it yeah exactly i'm super excited and yeah i think you know one of the things that's always been that's been really fun i feel like a, i feel like a proud papa in some way because <laughs> i it took a lot of convincing to get you to join a dynasty league and and obviously you did a good job we'll talk about that and i think your analysis have been so much more in depth. I know Brian likes to give you a hard time. Like whenever you bring someone up, it's only because you have them on your team, but I think you have a keener eye for all of these, you know, prospects, younger guys, how they're developing and what that means when they kind of pop up in the NHL. And that's, that's to me what the dynasty angle is all about too. It helps you in redraft and other formats as well. Yeah, for sure. And we always do a show every year where we look at who the rookies are going to be for the next season. And, you know, it's always nice when I've heard of those players and not just learning them from you for the first time. So that's <laughs> definitely been a change since uh, I joined this league. Uh, so for people who don't know, what is a dynasty league, right? Really quickly, for anyone who's just been playing in leagues, maybe even keeper leagues. Uh, but dynasty is a whole other beast because you, you keep your whole team. That's like the main thing about it is you're not like, uh, you know, sending anyone back unless you choose to. You're keeping your whole team. And then every year you're generally just drafting from like the more recent players who have been actually drafted in the NHL entry draft. And then you could be in a super crazy type of league like ours where there's also salary cap and you have to keep that in consideration. And generally it's like a little bit higher than the NHL salary cap. But you're like, you know, having to, you know, the, your players salaries are the same as the NHL salaries is, is one way to play. That's the way our league works anyways. And so there's definitely. Uh, a lot to think about a lot more than a one-year league and you can and oh and also another crazy thing that i learned when we started is you can't just drop someone i guess that goes hand in hand with the salary cap right like once you add a player who has a big salary you're stuck with it unless you want to buy the player out just like in the nhl so for anyone who's never played in dynasty league and is hearing this and you might be thinking as i used to think like this sounds like way too much for me like i just want to play a chill fantasy league but i don't know it's really addictive (laughs) like now i'm like always like reading about all these prospects especially the prospects that i've added to my team anytime I'm kind of like bored. You know when you're bored just browsing Twitter and just kind of seeing what's going on? I was like kind of searching for like uh, whoever Voronkov, who I added last, you know, and it's like, what's the latest on him? Like, I wonder if he's turning out okay. Or like just all the different prospects on my team or the people in free agency who have my watch list. Uh, of course, Twitter kind of sucks now. I used to be able to get like a really good sense of like the vibe on different players. And it's gotten a lot harder since they took away the blue check mark from the people who I could trust. But that's a whole other discussion. Anyways, Victor, we, okay, we got a whole plan. And I'm already blabbing. Uh, let me mention very quickly, we are presented by DauberHockey.com. They've released the fantasy guide. This is the best time of year because you download that guide, you read it over, you get the projections, and then you just keep redownloading it every single time Dauber makes changes. So check it out at DauberHockey.com. Uh, but yeah, Victor, wh- where do we want to start here? I think we wanted to talk about some general strategy before kind of looking back and you have pulled off mm-hmm. something. Well, you haven't pulled it off yet, but I, <laughs> it's looking pretty good. You did something that I am really interested to hear, like, you know, how you did this and kind of your thought process. But for those of you who don't know, I'm in this league with Victor, like I said, 
It's been three years now. Victor's coming like last place every year. His team is always terrible, but he's been like losing on purpose. He's been pl- like the Philadelphia 76ers, right? Like he's had a process where he's just been focusing on trading all his good players for picks and prospects. And now this year he decided he, oh, so he tanked. He got Bedard. Very annoying. Uh, and now he's decided he's going to go for it this year. And this summer has just been insane seeing what Victor's been doing, but I'll let him describe it. So Victor, why don't you tell people about this one strategy of how to start a new dynasty league yeah well definitely a lot of people would say and i would agree with that if you're joining a new dynasty just try to win now because a lot of new leagues tend to fold and it tends to be difficult to have that longevity and i knew that a lot of you were going to do that i knew you were going to do that elon i think you straight up said that right at the beginning and a lot of people were pretty clear about their intentions of trying to win right away. So uh, I wanted to do that too, but I but I thought, you know, everyone's trying to do this now. It's going to be hard. So I just decided to zig when everyone else was zagging. And I decided to kind of go the other way. And a lot of, we allowed in this league to trade picks before the draft, which is an insane process. And I don't necessarily recommend it because it was crazy keeping track. That's why we had to have this whole spreadsheet to keep track of all the picks. So a lot of people traded their prospect picks for pro picks because we did it all at once. And we should probably explain really quickly about that. So we had two drafts to start the league. One for players that had played at least, what was it, like 80 games or something, 82 games. And then, like, anyways, there was like a pro draft, like saying, where you couldn't take anyone who hasn't played that threshold. And we all drafted like kind of our pro teams. And then, yeah, we have like 20, 25 prospect spots. And we had a whole separate draft to fill our prospect pools. So that's what you're talking about. The people traded their... And those were two separate drafts that we had. And you're saying that people were trading their prospect picks to get pros. Exactly. In fact, a couple of people traded like their first five or six or seven or ten prospect picks for for pro picks because they knew that that would you know help them win more immediately and it definitely helped their team be better and so there's there's an interesting argument to be had about what's more valuable like a top prospect pick or a top pro pick and i I think to some extent you know i think it makes sense that the pro picks are more valuable because those guys are producing now and as you get later on in the prospect picks it's not necessarily as valuable but of course, those first prospect picks can be extremely valuable because those guys are basically already playing in the league, right? Like Hill McCarr was one of the, I think, the second overall pick, and he was already like amazing at that time. So it's an interesting process, but everyone else was kind of doing that. So I decided to go the other way, and I just amassed a ton of prospect picks, top prospects. I traded my first and second and I think fifth or sixth pro pick, and I got all these top prospect picks. I think I had something something crazy like 10 picks in the first few rounds so i was able to really load up on prospects and yeah i decided to be kind of bad and and i'm the commissioner of this league so i knew it was going to keep going and also everyone in this league is kind of kind of a ringer so i knew that people weren't going to be bailing or if they did i would replace them and the other thing as you mentioned because uh well if you're bad you can't just get the top pick you have to win it because we have a consolation prize so i finished last or maybe second last all three years but i only got the first pick this year and that's because you have to earn it and i my team was not good good enough to win the first overall pick 
Right. And so I had I'll to... just explain that super quickly. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. Yeah. So basically, I, and I really like this uh, feature of this league that, yeah, so all the bottom teams play in their own playoffs. So like while all the serious contenders, like yours truly, are playing for the championship, all the losers are playing for just the pick, like, you know, whatever, the bottom five, six teams. And so, yeah, you can't totally tank out. And actually, that's something I'm hoping to take advantage of this year where like, cause there's, well, we'll get into it, but like, just, like there's so many teams this year that are rebuilding that I feel like I'm kind of excited to see if I can like, you know, trade my uh, pros or whatever, you know, like with the teams that are rebuilding just because so, they're going to be all fighting for that first overall pick. But you were definitely going for it this year because there was a big prize to be to be had. Yeah. The other two years, you know, wasn't if you remember the 21 and 22 drafts, everyone there wasn't as exciting at the top. And I was kind of fine getting somewhere in the one, two, three range. It didn't really matter too much. So I, and I knew I was going to get a good player, but this year, obviously big difference between Bedard and, and Fentilli Carlson, Michkov, whatever. So yeah, I definitely wanted him. And I had to, I had to work really hard to get that pick because, you know, even the teams at the bottom, it was, it was a lot to, to be able to, I, one of the big the challenges I had was goaltending, just getting enough goalie starts, getting all the stats that you need. So it, it took, a, and then of course, as Elon said, this is a cap league, so you have to be careful of like going over the cap and taking on too many contracts. So it was it was complicated, but yeah, I decided to to have this long route, and then after winning Bedard, I had to take a look at my team and decide, okay, is it time? Is it time to push my chips in and and do it and go for it? And I decided, you know what, I'm gonna try to do the impossible here. I'm gonna try to go from worst to first. Yeah, and I think the crazy thing is, not to spoil your whole story here, but I kind of thought you were going to, you know, go for it in like, you were going to finally, you know, you had a decent team, and I thought you would just go, like, you had a lot of prospects that you've picked over the years that are probably going to start in the NHL. Now you had Bedard, and like, you know, I, I just kind of thought, like, I was looking at your team, like, yeah, this is going to be a pretty tough team to beat, maybe this year or, or, or next year. I didn't expect you to do what, what you did next, which is something, honestly, like, I'm not shocked very often when I play fantasy anymore. I feel like I've seen everything. But, uh, yeah, you did, like, you just did the craziest trades i think i've ever seen but i'll, I'll let you <laughs> well, describe you. what, what your strategy I... was here but ba- okay tldr victor had amassed like 12 15 like good prospects you know like if you look at a list of from the athletic of like who are the top 50 prospects in the nhl you had like a whole bunch of them and i was like this is gonna be a scary team one day and then victor just traded them all pretty much i pretty much did yeah but that kind of goes back to the original thing is like yeah these players are good Maybe some of them haven't hit all their potential yet. And I wanted to, I wanted to really make it, you know, make, make a strong case to be a contender right now. And so that's what I did. So I traded a whole bunch of players, uh, Lucas Raymond, Kirby Doc. Um, let's see, I'm going down the list. Matthew Nyes, Uri Slavkovsky, Thomas Harley, William Eklund, Olin Zellweger, Spencer Knight, JJ Paterka. Quinn Byfield, Ivan Marushnashenko, Christian Kairou, Veni Venelainen all left my team within the span of, well, a few weeks. And a couple of those maybe were a little bit earlier. But And then a bunch of, I, I traded a bunch of my draft picks, which I think a lot of people are thinking those first round picks are going to be really high. But my intention is that they're going to be very bad <laughs> because I intend to be good this year. And so that's my hope is that I'm losing out on the 19th or 20th overall pick. We'll see how that works out. But should I say who who I brought in or do you want to comment on those guys? No, I mean, well, I mean, it would be fun to comment on them one at a time. Maybe just like, 
Oh, I have so many questions, you know, you just listed like a ton of good prospects. I know Zellweger is someone you've been super high on. Like, was it hard for you? Yeah. To, you're a Sharks fan and you traded Eklund. Like, was it hard for you to give up on some of these prospects that you've like, you picked them, you've been like cultivating them, you're excited about them. <laughs> and then just to be like, get, get out of here. But yeah, it's, it'll be really fun to hear the list of uh, players you brought in. I'm really scared. I'll just say as a competitor, <laughs> I thought I had at least one more year where it won't be too hard. Like the team that I've been competing against every year, Taiwan Typhoons, Adam and Shane. And I figured like, yeah, I'll go to the finals of the Typhoons game, but I beat them last year. I could beat them again this year. And like, there's a couple other teams that are kind of scary, but like, yeah, when you, you, when you make your list, but yeah, how did it feel dumping like all of these like prized prospects of yours? It felt fine. I mean, I think that you have to, if you really want to try to pretend like you're a GM, you have to try to be, you know, a little indifferent to that and just think of them as assets, right? These are all, these are all assets. And so, yeah, trading guys like Byfield, who I've been so high on for a long time and and still am to some extent and, and Zellweger, Eklund. Yeah, these are guys I, I still believe in. It's not that I don't believe in them anymore. It's just that I know that the guys that I got can help me more right now. And that's that's what I'm looking at. So I, I go from this long term view to like right now, I want to I want to be good right now. And so those assets help me more with the guys that I got rather than ones that I left out. So this is who I brought in. So I got John Klingberg. Actually, that was a trade with you getting a cap dump. And I kind of figured that his contract wouldn't be as high this year. And and looks like he's going to run the top power play in Toronto. That's looking pretty good. Well, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Morgan Riley is still there. Like, I don't. Why think do you a... have Why do you have John Klingberg on your team if he's not going to be in an offensive role, though? <laughs> I mean, I just don't want to say like, oh, guaranteed he's going to be running the top power no, play. Maybe no, like no. he'll compete for the job if like yeah. Riley struggles. Or I mean, and also there's a second power play that needs to have a QB. So he'll get some yeah. time. He'll get some like time. I mean, uh, Carolina just uh, signed Tony D'Angelo. Are you saying that he's going to run right. the top power play now in Carolina? I think it's like between I him mean, and Burns. Why do you have TDA on your team if he's not running a power play? At least yeah, a power play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just being defensive because I traded you John Klingberg. Though, to be <laughs> fair, uh, since we're, we're going to be going on tangents anyways, the tra- at, at that moment, actually, my... Oh, I have a co-manager, by the way. You're doing this all alone. It's me and Matthew. So definitely big shout outs to Matthew for any strategy that I'm talking about. We did this together. Uh, but like, we actually, at that moment, we were looking at free agency and like, Nazem Kadri was just sitting there. And people might be like remembering the end of his recent season where he kind of like flamed out like his team. And that wasn't meant to be a pun. Uh, but like, Kadri actually started the year super hot and he was in free agency because he was at the start of this like seven year seven mil per year contract and so i guess all of our managers in our league were just too afraid to take him because you're going to be stuck with that contract forever and he's already like 30 years old and but maddie and i were looking at him like and we're trying to win now i was like oh that would be a pretty sweet ad for us like because he's good for like hits he's like face-off wins which probably mentioned this league is like a full bangers it's got everything and face-offs and takeaways for whatever's with he's even good for that uh so he, we were salivating, but we didn't have the cap space. We, and uh, we had John Klingberg, who was like $7 million for the year and wasn't doing anything. We also had Cal Peterson, uh, who I hate and we'll talk about when we go over the prospect draft. <laughs> it's just like my least favorite player of all time, Cal Peterson, who's like eating up five mils for still two more years. And uh, so I was like telling Maddie, like, let's just try to like dump these guys like maybe some people still like cal peterson because there was so many times it's so sad because like we got so many trade offers for cal peterson of like really good players and we kept on turning it down because he was supposed to be this like future starter of the kings and 
uh, anyway, we all know how this turned out. Uh, but anyway, so I figured there was still some value to be had. And like Klingberg also isn't a complete nobody. So yeah, we were just thinking if we could dump these two, then we can grab Kadri, who will actually help us now. So I think the moment you accepted the trade and it was like, we just basically sent you those two guys for a third. Uh, which I ended up flipping that third just recently for Max Pacioretty. So I like to think of it as we traded. Uh, and then we added, oh, as soon as you accepted the deal, the second later, we added Nazem Kadri out of free agency. So it, it ended up being, as far as I'm concerned, we sent you uh, Klingberg and Peterson for Pacioretty and, and Kadri. Oh, and then we actually traded Kadri this past offseason for Neil Pionk. So... I got, but anyways, now I'm getting too into the yeah. weeds here. <laughs> but anyways, no, it was a good I, trade for both of us. And I think Klingberg right. will be good for you because now you're just like looking for useful assets. And obviously that third, unless you were going to trade it for Pacioretty, but like that third probably wasn't someone you were expecting to be too valuable. No, I didn't need that. And yeah, I didn't mean to say that it was just so good for me. It was, it was Like you said, it was good for both of us. You got the cap space. And, and that's actually another part of my strategy with the league, the team that I built is I purposely left myself a ton of cap space so I could take on bad contracts. I could do exactly the deal I did with you to, to garner some, some assets. Cap flexibility is a very underrated part of cap league. Some people just kind of add to the, to the max. And I'm not saying you guys, but sometimes people just add players just to add them just to fill out their roster and they don't leave themselves enough space. And it's, it can be, a, it can be a problem because then you don't have the flexibility Oh, yeah, but yeah, that sure. was that, that was good for everybody. You guys got well, you guys won. So I mean, it, it obviously was good. Um, but that was it was helpful. And yeah, I ended up dumping Cal Peterson and Matt Murray for a third. So I got out from those two guys bad contracts uh, as well. Um, yeah, I'm the, surprised you pulled off some trades that I was like, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> our league mates might be listening. but I'm like, you should have made Victor pay more to dump those two deadweight contract this was before matt murray went on ltir so maybe in hindsight you yeah. didn't even need to dump matt murray because in our league no. once you put the guy on ir their their contract doesn't count against your cap but i feel like some of these trades i was like can people please like make it a little bit harder for victor i don't like how <laughs> uh, he was able to just dump those two contracts and all he had to do was give up a third it was interesting i had a conversation with adam and, and he brought up a good point which is that in these leagues sometimes a very undervalued aspect is just kind of accepting a first offer like just kind of you know, getting something that you want, if it doesn't, even if you don't get top value, if you wait and let someone shop around, you might not get the deal, right? So sometimes it's just kind of worth it to accept, you know, maybe not the best offer. And he's right. I mean, maybe I would have, I was trying to actually package those two within a larger deal to someone else. And so he ended up getting a draft pick for, it's not going to cost him anything because he's trying to get to the floor. He's a, he's on a rebuilding team. So anyways, it's just an interesting part. But yeah, I was surprised to be able to dump him for that little too. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So the next big guy I got was Andrei Sveshnikov. I got for Lucas Raymond and a, and a late first, which was pretty nice. I traded, this is one I'm not too happy about, but I got Ilya Mikheyev for Kirby Doc. And that was mainly because Kirby Doc wasn't doing much at the time. And, and this is like Mikheyev a year ago. Was, so some of these trades yeah. aren't that recent. Yeah. So that one was a while ago. And that, that was because Mikheyev was actually doing something. In hindsight, I would like to have that one back, but <laughs> that's okay. And then I got JJ Paterka and Thomas Harley for a late first and Nico Dawes. I think that's right after Dawes had a little bit of a run, which was kind of nice. And then, oh, I got OEL. The, this is the first one of the summer. I got OEL for a third round draft pick. And that's when there was still, I guess, uh, the GM there was still thinking that his contract was going to be so huge. And it and ended up, he ended up kind of signing for much less. And so I kind of figured that would happen. So I got him at a discount. And so that's nice with him in Florida. Then I got Kuznenko for Matthew Nyes and a third, which, you know, I mean, I, I still think Nyes is a good player, but Kuzmenko, I mean, come on point per game player for relatively cheap that's going to help me more right now and then this was probably the biggest one this is the one that involved Slavkovsky, Harley, Eklund, Zellweger, Spencer Knight and Paterka and a first and I got David Yurichek, Darcy Kemper and Eric Carlson at 50% retained yeah I mean you gave a huge pot to get those guys but like your a good prospect anyway so you can just cancel him out with let's say like zellweger let's say zellweger and your cancel each other out just to make things simple i'm sure we could have a whole discussion of who's better between those two but mm-hmm. if you do that yeah you get your goalie and camper who's solid i think i actually described we had a question on a patron cast recently where the question was kind of like who's a player with like no ceiling and no floor like just kind of like you know what you're going to get on on both sides and i was trying to think of one as a goalie just for fun because it's like so hard because goalies are always so like you know just crazy and very hard to predict and the guy i came up with was kemper was like he's for sure not going to be terrible and i feel like he's for sure not going to be awesome he's going to be just fine (laughs) and which is all you need in a league like this yeah and i didn't like i mentioned earlier the reason i couldn't win the first pick the last couple years is i i didn't have a goalie you know i had Peterson and that trade with you before that I kind of took on Matt Murray's contract just to you know figured he might play some games but other than that I just had Dostal and Spencer Knight and some other prospects that weren't playing and so it was like I couldn't get games <laughs> I just needed guys to play you know so and yeah, then Camper will definitely play as long as he's he, healthy exactly he will play but and that was Carlson. a big one and then Carlson yeah I mean namesake of the podcast here and I mean obviously the the team that retained on him didn't care about the cap either. They're they're going to be trying to get to the floor, and so he doesn't care about that contract. And we can all debate about you know Carlson, and and I think it's a little obviously it's a little bit of a gamble because we don't know where he's going. He's definitely leaving San Jose, but we don't know where he's going. But no matter where he ends up, I'm sure he's going to be he's going to be good, right? Not as good as he was last year, probably, but 
he's going to be solid and and at whatever five and a half million or whatever six million he's definitely worth it in this league i mean no doubt right like we've been doing mock drafts and people are drafting carlson super high so like if you're only especially if you're only thinking short term and like trying to win this year then like that's all you need to do right and then like anything else is gravy and carlson's still got how many more years left on this contract so four more years and i'll be paying yeah five and a half basically mil so we'll see yeah i'll be interesting to see where he goes i guess you probably now are hoping he doesn't go to like carolina or even like pittsburgh like i guess because those are the two rumored teams and they both already have uh power play quarterbacks So I guess it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. But back when he was on San Jose with Brent Burns, it didn't go so well for Eric no. Carlson in terms of his total points. But that might have also been more due to injury than anything else. But you're you're the Sharks fan here. What's your take on Eric Carlson? Like, what are you predicting? I mean, obviously, it's so hard without uh, knowing where he's going to go. But health-wise, he played all the games last year. So that's something. He was awesome. But also, everything ran through him. And when everything runs through you, you're able to rack up a whole bunch of points uh, but but obviously that team was garbage and <laughs> it was amazing how he was able to score so much with very little help. It's definitely going to go down when he's not the focal point. I mean, wherever he goes, it's going to be a good team and he's not going to be the focal point of the offense and he's going to have to spread around the points. But then again, he's also going to be around better players and he's, he's incredible when he's surrounded by talent. So I think he's going to be he's going to be just fine. You know, I think he still has the, op, you know, 60 plus or more. You know, he's probably going to be in that 60 to 70 point range with, you know, decent perifs. So if you look at $5 million, $5.5 million defenseman, he's for sure going to be the best of that group, I would say. Yeah, so now I'm looking at your team, this team that I used to think had like all the best prospects. Like, so obviously Connor Bedard is your best prospect. And then you actually got also Simon Edvinson in a trade, which I didn't get. That was oh, yeah, trader. that that was the other one I was going to mention. Oh, yeah. So maybe mention that one. The last one is I got Thatcher Demko. Etu Lusterainen, who's a really good cost-controlled asset in the Florida Panthers team, and then Simon Edvinson and a second. And I gave Byfield, Maroshchenko, Christian Kairou, Vevelainen, and a first. So some really, you know, Byfield, obviously, super high on him. We'll talk about in the prospect draft. I took him, you know, very high. So a little little sad to see him go, but, you know, I just recorded uh, our LA Kings episode for Fantasy Hockey Life today, and we were talking about how he just hasn't really hit that potential, and that's why they signed PLD, right? So they have PLD, Deneau, Kopitar. Like Byfield is not going to be a center in that system. He's hopefully going to play the wing and get, you know, gets gets to somewhere near his potential. But you look at Edvinson, who's about to step into a role with the Red Wings. He's going to be able to be flexed up and down from the minor system. You see him and Juracek. You know, there's guys that are going to be able to be moved up and down. That's huge for this league, too. And then, of course, I got Thatcher Demko, who, you know, him with Kemper. And then I have Dostal as well. Like, that's going to be a, a tough, a tough, uh, you know, goalie tandem or, or trio to beat this year. I, th- I think I think I'm going to be pretty good in goal. Going from being kind of bad and not having any goalies to being pretty set. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like, it's kind of like, you know, I'm in this league and I respect all the managers and I don't want to like, you know, say anything too critical, but like, I don't know how you pulled off that trade. That's like, I don't know what you said to the other manager, but like Simon Edvinson from everything I see is like one of the top rated D prospects out there. And you got him and Demko who might be one of the more valuable goalies in our league where like we care a lot about volume. There's only three goalie categories and two of them are volume. 
And like, what did you give up? Like Byfield, who to a lot of people already looks like a bust. Miroshashenko was like, whatever. No, nothing compared to Edvinson, as far as I'm concerned. And Christian Cairo, he's fine. I don't know. You, 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 that was a good one, Victor. I, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to read the uh, chat transcript for that trade Sorcery. see how you uh, pulled that off. Because I've, well, that- <laughs> I've been trying to get Demko off the, this manager actually is taking over from a team. Like there was another manager of this team before. And I was like messaging them about Demko like all the time. And he like wouldn't budge. And now you got Demko for, and Edvinson. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Well, what was interesting about that is part of it was that was I was actually trying to send Murray and Peterson to that team. So we're having all these discussions and pieces were moving around and I was adding things to it. And he was like, nah. And then I came back and was like, well, what if I take Murray and Peterson out? And he's like, sold. (laughs) So it's one of those things where it seemed worse than it was. And then I was able to move those other pieces in a separate deal. And it just looks so much better in comparison. Right. But I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm happy with it, and he's he's decided to tear it down, so he doesn't worry so much about the cap. I mean, I think you know, obviously, those guys are a little bit younger, but he's you know, those pieces hopefully will be good for him. I I don't I don't want to say like I fleeced him or anything, but I'm, I'm I think he's got I think he got a good return. You know, maybe it could have been better, but uh, but I think he did all right. I think that trade would be more even if you didn't get Edvinson. I think just getting yes. Demko for that seems pretty reasonable. He he didn't want to give Edvinson. I I, I did talk him into that. That's, that's why you uh, host two podcasts about prospects, and now I think you're going to probably win this league next year. So I'm fascinated by this uh, rebuild you did because it's just not what I expected. I just really thought your whole thing was going to be I'm going to suck, and then I'm going to get a lot of good prospects, and then they're going to become good one day, and then I'll be good one day. I didn't realize you were your plan was to suck get a lot of prospects and then trade them all for pros <laughs> in one summer. So Well, I think it's a I think to make it try to make it relevant to everyone. I think that's an important thing to keep in mind because it's not just you have to remember it's not just how you value all these players, it's how everyone else does. And I had some conversations with GMs that echoed exactly what you said, Elon is like, "Well, I'm not interested in Byfield." Like he's kind of a bust. And I was like, all right, move on. You know, like no, yeah, you no worth, one. <laughs> don't talk to him because that's not going to help. Right. And so, yeah, you find someone who values them similarly or, or even higher. And you just have to find, you know, realize that other people might value certain players more than you do. Other people might value cap space. They might value certain positions. And that's what's great about Dynasty is there, especially with 20 teams, there's so much more flexibility and ability to move guys around depending on who's in what stage or situation. And so that's that's what I really like too, is that if we're all trying to do the same thing, which I find is often true in redraft, it can be it can be hard, right? It can be hard to move certain pieces, but it, it's not so hard in this league. And I think you're right about, you know, going into this year when a few teams are kind of trying to rebuild, it's going to be really interesting. Like those of us that are competing are going to be trying to pick pieces off of them, but, but those teams also need certain pieces later to win their consolation bracket. So it's all like this really interesting, you know, circle of like people valuing assets kind of differently at, at different times. Yeah, I'm still learning a lot, to be honest. Like I've been in this league now three years and like even though I've won it twice, but it's been like going for it. And like I uh, like really did not expect to be going into this season with so many tanking teams because I've like kind of filled because we have like 26 pro roster spots and then whatever it is, 25 uh, maybe 30 prospects uh and i kind of like i'm um, full right like for my pros like there's a lot of like good players now available for trade and even if i wanted to trade 
like picks or whatever to get some of these good pros that are available. Like I literally can't fit them on my team. Like I'd have to trade other pros away. And like, I was like fine with that at the end of last season. Like I was like looking at like Maddie and I were looking at our team at the end of last season where we won. And we were like, I think we can win again. Like, why not? Like our team's even better than it was last year. We've made a couple trades over the off season. Like I said, we got Patrick ready. Uh, we traded for uh, David Perron. Like, I don't know. We've made a couple. Oh, we just traded for uh, Vanacek. We gave a couple picks for Vanacek, which, you know, I figured like Vanacek is like a tricky one because I know a lot of people are thinking, Oh, you dummy. Like he's about to lose the job to Shmi. Did you watch the playoffs last year? But I figured for the price I paid a couple later picks, well, a second and a third, but like you, I'm hoping they're going to be like the uh, 40th overall and 60th overall picks. This is a 20 team league, by the way. So uh, to give context. So, you know, if you win, then your first round pick is 20th. Um, Anyway, what was I talking? Oh yeah. Vanacek. Oh, just to finish that thought, like, there is still a chance also and oh that's another by the way general dynasty thing that i didn't realize going into it like three years ago i goalies are like really valuable and i know on the podcast generally i'm always like ah forget about goalies like you can get some in free agency like in in redraft leagues i'm always a kind of a proponent of like don't even really like spend a lot of capital on goalies because they're so like variable like that you don't even know who's going to be good and who's going to be bad so why waste a high pick uh the problem in dynasty leagues is there's never any goalies available in free agency like literally every goalie that's in the league is like rostered except for like a scott wedgwood or something sometimes and so goalies are are valuable and especially like a starter and so anyways just to say that vanacek might lose the job but for the price i paid i'll take a chance on a goalie that could also just be the starter on like an amazing team like new jersey's looking good last year so or next year so anyways that's uh the reason for that but anyways back to my original point which was that i have no spots left and i kind of like all my players like i don't have any like contracts that i'm trying to dump or anything like i like my team and now all of a sudden we're in this environment where there's like 10 teams that have announced on our discord that like oh so i'm tearing down like i'll take like anything for any of my pros come at me like with any offer and i'm like oh man like if i knew this was gonna be the case i wouldn't have (laughs) made trades that i made earlier i wouldn't have uh you know picked up all the players that i picked up anyway so that's still what I'm I'm learning right now is I didn't consider this possibility that you could be in a league where all of a sudden like everyone is kind of tanking or like 10 of the 20 teams are tanking and you're going to have your pick of pros if you want and probably a cheaper price because there's like, you know, the market is so now flush with teams that are willing to just give players up. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. And one of the biggest things that I think sometimes overlook too is, is roster flexibility. Like, especially in a league where you can move guys up and down, like being locked in to just the guys on your pro roster can be very limiting, right? So sometimes even if you don't, even if you're not trying to dump a guy, maybe you just move on from the guys near the bottom of your roster production wise and just fill them in with some guys that are producing in the minors, right? So guys, you can kind of flex up and down or just be able to add somebody. This isn't really a streaming league. You only have three ads, 30 ads per year. So you can't really you know, do too much streaming, but giving yourself a little bit of flexibility is is sometimes good. And of course, guys are going to get injured. So you have a little bit there, but kind of stuffing your roster too much can also have its downsides too, to some extent. Yeah, no, for sure. And basically, this has been my strategy all three years, though. And it's actually worked out pretty well is I've gone into like each season pretty much with like 26 pros for the 26 roster spot, just because injuries 
like happens so often. Like you kind of said it as an offhanded thing, but I've had situations where I've had like five, six, like seven players on my IR. We have a 10 person IR. I've had my IR filled with 10 people like so many times. And so I just figure like I have a lot of actually uh, swing eligible prospects. Swing eligible kind of means that like Victor was saying, like anyone in your prospect team, you could actually bring up and, and play on your pro team and then bring them back down to your minors whenever you want. And you could even then drop these people uh, before they turn into pros it's after 82 games that they become pros and you can drop them beforehand without having to worry about like having to buy them out or something and uh, i have a bunch of of these guys that i'm excited about like you know i'm especially excited about like a tommy novak who i picked up last year and uh some i i know i've mentioned Voronkov before i think he's going to be a a guy on columbus who's probably gonna be really good for bangers leagues and i, I mean i could i could give a list later um but my plan is just to have my 26 pros and then i've got my like next group ready to go as soon as I have injuries, you know, so I don't have to worry about uh, wasting my ads and free agency trying to just replace injuries. I've got my people in place, but I've been burned by that before as I think I whined about on a patron cast or on the podcast, that whole Chris Drieger debacle last year where he came back uh, and lost his IR status after the trade deadline. And we had a four goalie maximum and I was already at four goalies. And all of a sudden it was like, what do I do with this guy? He's coming back and now I don't, I don't have room for him and I don't have anything I can do. So I ended up having to just drop him and, and buy him out, take the penalty, live and learn. Okay. Anyways, what was my point here? Oh yeah. But you were saying you do make a good point that generally you do want to have that flexibility. Another thing is like, I feel like if you're going for it, especially this year when like not even that many teams are going for it, who even cares about the regular season, right? Like my plan is just, even if I can't use any of my swing guys all season long, it's fine. All that matters is that I'm, you know, come playoff time, like come the trade deadline. If I realize that I have too many pros, I'll make trades then. But uh, for now, I don't even like, you know, I don't need to win the president's trophy. So I'd rather just have like the most players to be ready to go no matter who gets injured. Yeah, for sure. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right. Well, we are about halfway through the pod here, Victor, and it's been a fun chat. I think the other big thing we wanted to do is look back on our prospect and pro drafts from way back in, what was it, 2020, 2019 when we started this league? I guess three seasons ago. 
Right, 2020. So uh, we were thinking we'll look back at that draft. Like I, I did take a lot of notes about like how I built my team and my strategies, but I, f- I feel like probably people have, I've been talking about it on the podcast <laughs> for the past few years. So I don't know if I need to like dive too much into it. Maybe at the end of the show, I can give some quick like strategies on if you want to be like go into a new dynasty league with a win. Now there are a few things that I did that I think were like uh, good general tips that you can use if you want to come into a new league and, and uh, try to win right away as opposed to Victor's strategy. Uh, but why don't we do now uh, jump into these drafts? And I guess the prospect draft is the more interesting one. Back in the day, uh, these were all players in 2020 that had played 82 games or less, and I guess 41 games or less for goalies. And that's really qu- crazy looking at the uh, draft results, especially first overall pick. Oof, big swing and a miss right there. Well, so far, it's still early in a lot of these players' careers, right? So it'll be actually, you as the prospect expert can let us know if you still believe in first overall. He had just gone first overall in the actual NHL draft. Alexis Lafreniere, when you hear the other names, people, you're going to realize why I'm saying oof. But uh, do you have hope for Lafreniere to live up to, forget about being first overall in, in this draft, like first round, being a first round pick in this draft. Do you think he has the potential to at least meet, meet that quality? No, I don't. And I'm, I I said at the time, I thought he was more like a 70, 60, 70 point guy. I do still have faith that he can do that, but that's not super interesting. And when you hear some of the other names, you're going to realize there's definitely better options in terms of guys that went soon after or long after him. Some guys that are much better than that. So yeah, definitely not that. And, and the second overall pick, Kale McCarr, we can just spoil that. And I know a lot. I That's who I wanted. But uh, Greg was smart and took him. And he's obviously been amazing. So that was definitely yeah. a better pick. I guess one thing to keep in mind as we go through this, like the players who had just been drafted, like, because again, it's a salary cap league, right? So if you could get a player who's going to have three years on their ELC, you know, that could like help you a lot in terms of, you know, staying under the cap. Like those three years are really valuable as opposed to Kale McCarr, who had already played a bit and was probably about to sign, you know, his big contract. So maybe that was one reason why Lafreniere could be a little bit more tempting than McCarr at the time, just because you'd have a longer time with that cheap contract. But uh, still, obviously, (laughs) in hindsight, I'm sure that uh, Chris would rather have that pick back. Uh, Then you picked third. Gotta say, another oof here, but it's worked out all right for you because you found one person interested in Quinton Byfield. So you you held on long. I think if it was me, like I'm so impatient. Maddie knows he's in the chat here that as soon as there's a player that I like have like I hate given up on, like they're not doing what I hoped he would. I'm like, let's just trade this guy before like everyone realizes he sucks. But you were very patient with Quinton Byfield. But you were saying you still kind of believe in him. You like him better than Lafreniere at this point. I always have, and I do still like him better that we knew that byfield was going to take a long time he's a big really big dude he hadn't he was really young for the draft class too he could have been he could have been a 21 and so he he's good he, we knew he was going to take some time and then he broke his ankle really badly and that that messed up his development so yeah what's unfortunate is that it doesn't look like he's going to be a center which might actually be good because the centers are really deep down there in la and so if he can play on the wing you know maybe even with like fiala or you know, PLD, then that'll be really good for him. And maybe he'll get a little bit more, but he, he's, his confidence has been kind of shaken a little bit. I think him pushing him to the wing makes him kind of feel a little bit like a failure too. And so I think he's still kind of rediscovering himself, but I, I, still, I still do think he's going to be good and he is more physical. So he'll bring more of those peripheral stats and maybe he'll win a lot of face-offs even as a winger. So 
I still think he'll be pretty good, but yeah, definitely when you hear some of these other names, not uh, compared to like probably would be like a third or fourth rounder if we redid it right now. Yeah. And of course, like with Byfield, I feel like another way he's a little bit of a bust so far is just like last year he didn't really hit. I remember you were like excited about him when he was getting drafted because you were saying he was going to be like a multi-cat stud. You know, he's going to get points and he's going to get hits and like he had like a hit per game last year and he was actually getting like top line deployment with Kopitar and Kempe for a lot of the year, but like wasn't really shooting like 1.4 shots per game overall in the season. So yeah, so far, but also the other thing is he's 20 years old, which I think people don't realize it feels like Byfield's been around already for a while, but 20 is like super young like i'm looking at some of my prospects that i'm excited about on my team which there aren't that many of them but like you know i have this guy past a job who i traded for and like he's only 20 he hasn't even played a game yet in the league and like he's someone that i'm hoping is gonna do something for me one day he's on on anaheim even like minchukov and marco casper who uh, maddie and i traded mm-hmm. for one of our one rare trades where we traded like a pro for prospects was we needed to clear some space. So last summer, we traded Jacob Chikrin, and we got, I think, a pretty good haul of prospects. We got uh, this ninth and 10th pick in that draft where we ended up taking Casper and Minchikov, and then we also got Justice Anunin. So that was like kind of the three prospects mm-hmm. we got. He's the uh, goalie on Colorado who eventually should hopefully take over. I mean, nothing's for sure. We thought Caden Primo was going to take over in Montreal, and that hasn't happened yet, but Anunin had a good year last year. Uh, so... But anyway, my point is that even like my like recently drafted guys like Minchikov is 19 and Byfield is 20. So it's just like for people who are disappointed in him, I guess that's one thing to keep in mind that like a lot of players like may wouldn't have even played a, a game yet. So he's hopefully just being developed the right way. Because I guess you could also the other way you could look at it is like they're, they ruined him. They should have had him in the AHL dominating this whole time. And they, they, they blew it. And now his confidence is shot, like you were saying. Uh, so we'll see. It'll be interesting what happens with Byfield. But like, would you even draft him this year in the Cupful? So, oh, yeah. We should mention our, uh, our other stuff. But, like, yeah, like the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, I didn't mention at the start. is like registration is open. It's going to be awesome next year. And it's a one-year league. Um, Victor also has a league, by the way. So we'll, we'll talk about all that, I guess, later. But, like, there's a dynasty league that you can join as part of the Fantasy Hockey Life patron program. Um, but anyway, my question is, would you even draft byfield let's say you're in the 18th round of the cupful and you're grabbing like your like final picks is he even someone that interests you at all for next year or is this just like maybe one day but definitely not next year i think probably just more as a free agent ad and redraft i I probably wouldn't draft him and just kind of wait and see because it depends on deployment he could like you say he could could be up there but there's no guarantee and and unfortunately the la looks really good but they look really good because they have a top nine you know, which is not necessarily what you want so much in fantasy, unless mm-hmm. unless you're Kevin Fiala or playing with Fiala, then it's maybe a little less exciting. Okay, so the next pick, so remember, was Lafreniere, then Makar, then Byfield, and it's probably hard for people to remember, like at this point in 2020, like which players, because this draft was like people were taking the players who had just been drafted in 2020, and then also like all these players who had already been in the NHL but had played less than 82 games were also eligible in this draft. So next up was Quinn Hughes who is part, ended up like he was taken by Shane and Adam, the Taiwan Typhoons who ended up basically like Maddie and I have played them the past two years in the finals and they won two years ago. And then we won last year. They've been our main nemesis and they uh, did really well with this Quinn Hughes pick. And I'm not necessarily saying because of picking Quinn Hughes, they made a great trade. They got a huge return for him. Uh, Hughes, I feel like also is kind of a little bit of a bust here just because like he's been so good, but this is a categories league and he really only contributes to assists and power play points. 
And like last year, he did a little bit better in peripherals and took a, a few more shots. And maybe there is still room for him to grow. But like, even if Quinn Hughes is like a point per game guy, I think if you rank the defenseman in this league by the Fantrax ranking, I don't know how much you want to trust Fantrax ranking, but he's like way down the list, even though he had a lot more points and a lot of people ahead of him, just because he's not contributing in so many of the categories, like no hits, no blocks, no shots. So uh, no goals, really. So uh, I think it's a bust of a pick, but obviously uh, Taiwan made very good use of it. I'll just say they ended up trading him in a, in a deal that ended up netting them a 50% retained Ovechkin and Marchand two years ago. And then they ended up winning the whole league that year. And I'm sure that trade played a huge, huge part in it. And I remember being so mad, <laughs> but uh, Victor yeah. should have uh, vetoed that trade. Come on. I mean, I definitely would have rather had Quinn Hughes in hindsight. I could have probably pulled off a, a good trade. No, yeah. but that's, that's definitely, I think, I think it's a good trade. You get good value. And yeah, I, even though I agree, like he isn't necessarily in terms of the category coverage, not as good, but I think, you know, Lafreniere and Byfield were definitely the top five here that weren't as good. And because, especially when you hear the next six picks, they're all, they're all really good, basically, including a bunch of goalies. Yeah. So we could just run through them. Do you want to just say like these next six? Yeah, yeah, so then Thatcher Demko went fifth, Ilir Shostorkin went sixth, Sorokin went seventh, Samsonov went eighth. So the big three Russian back to back to back. And I and I said at the time I was surprised that Demko was the first, and I, I still am surprised because I still think a few of those other guys are better, but obviously Demko's turned out really well. And then Kaprizov went after the goalies, Adam Fox, and then Jack Hughes was was my eleventh overall pick. So those all in a row are really good picks. Like oh, they've all turned out to be amazing, you know, top players for their teams, as you would expect in the first round. Yeah. I mean, Samsonov had a bit of a journey, right? Like he uh, was waived yeah. by the Capitals, but now he's looking like someone you definitely want in fantasy. And we've been doing these uh, mock drafts, uh, you know, on the our Keeping Carlson Discord, which have been a lot of fun just to kind of see the results. And Kevin just released this awesome spreadsheet. Kevin A. Bear, our, our couple coordinator with like, you know, showing ADPs for the mock drafts. It's like really cool stuff that he's done. And anyway, Samsonov is going super late, all that to say. And like, I feel like Toronto's still a really good team. Matt Murray is on LTIR. Like, there's no reason why Samsonov can't be like a top goalie in fantasy next year. If he's a volume starter on a great team, like I know Wall is there and he seemed fine. But I think Samsonov is young and, and good. So like it, it was a long journey, but now he definitely has a lot of fantasy value. I think going into next year, he was actually just involved in a trade that also was like a head scratcher to me. But uh, I don't need to like keep uh, banging on my head against these uh, bad trades. Well, not bad trades, but just trades that I don't know if I necessarily understand. Um, but yeah, I think Samsonov is, is really good and still a little bit undervalued. For, so for those of you in Dynasty Leagues, maybe now's the time to try to get him. He's also so cheap, like the, the salary cap that he, he's holding is so cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, obviously Shostyorkin, Sorokin, nothing to say about them. Kaprizov, I guess like Kaprizov like almost right away had a really high salary, but still like worth every penny. He's incredible. And yeah. Jack Hughes for you. So that was pretty good to get Hughes falling all the way to 11th. This was after, right? He had already had a, a season... I believe it was a little it was a little underwhelming, right? That was his like 45 point season or whatever. It was everyone was kind of like, oh, maybe he's a bust. And and I I always believed him. I was I said at the time he's gonna be a hundred point player. And I don't think he actually hit that number, but was on that pace, right? So he's he's definitely but well, we all know he's kind of a superstar now. Yeah, actually it was even worse than you're saying. In his uh rookie season, 1920, Jack Hughes played 61 games and had 21 points. This is after he was, had been picked first overall. So, yeah, probably Oh, a lot that's of people, right. Yeah, His so second season, he had the 45-point pace. So, yeah, the first two seasons, people were kind of like, oh, he's, you know, he's not that good. And yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, he definitely is. <laughs> yeah, well, that was definitely your opportunity. By the way, after that second season, he was 20. And then he hadn't since then. He's had two seasons where he's paced for like 100 points. So... I mean, I'm not, I'm not even a big Byfield believer. I'm just pointing out how young 20 is that Jack Hughes also it's had a couple true. of bad yeah. seasons. Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that was a great pick. Then uh, a bit of a bust here in Elvis Merzlikin, so I don't get what happened with him. He looked, seemed so good. And then I guess the thing is he might be a value guy for drafts next year yeah. just because Columbus is looking a lot better, right? They just traded for all new defensemen. They have Provorov. They have Severson. Um they had so many injuries. It yeah. was insane last year. And I and remember people forget, but his, you know, his best friend died in that tragic mm-hmm. Fourth of July accident. And he he put a lot of pressure on himself to, you know, be good for Matt's Kivlenix this past season. And and you know, it was there was so much going on around him. It was it was a tire fire with injuries and new defensemen. So I think I agree. Merzlikens could be a really good bounce back this year. Columbus just, just looks so stacked now, and, and they have really great prospects maturing. Like they're gonna have and, and, you know, Fantilli's there. It's going to be, they're going to be a good team. Yeah, I guess the question is just is, like, you know, Merzlikens lost the starting job to Corposalo last year up until the time that Corposalo got traded. But uh, that was not something anyone was expecting. So I guess as long as, like, Merzlikens can hold up, he could be a good, like, a goalie on a good team. The question is just, can he bounce back? And I think there's reasons to believe he can because, yeah, like you said, the defense was bad, but though Corposalo seemed just fine, even with uh, all the defense being injured and him playing behind the guys that he did. Uh, since we're talking prospects with a prospect expert here, what do you think of Tarasov, who I assume is going to be the backup going into next season? Uh, he's super young, 24. I know he's a kind of a high pedigree guy. Uh, do you think there's a chance that Tarasov can steal the net from Merzlikens and potentially, like, or just in general, just like how valuable do you think Tarasov is in Dynasty Leagues at this point? He's really good. I, I have him ranked as my 11th prospect goalie. I think he's really high up there. I don't think he's going to take over the net. I think that he needs a little bit more time, but he's he's pretty NHL ready. I think he's going to play some games. He's going to learn a lot from Elvis and, you know, maybe another couple of years he'll get 30, 40 starts or so, but he he's very good. He just needs a little bit more time and, and Elvis is already there ready. So I don't see him stealing starts, but, you know, he's definitely a good candidate to know that when he steps in, he has potentially a starter upside and certainly if Elvis goes down and the team is better, I think he could have pretty pretty decent value. And he's someone that I would definitely target Danil Tarasov if you if you, you know, can get him in a dynasty league. I think he's uh he's a good target. Yeah, actually I'm curious to ask you. Uh one of my again, like few good prospects is uh the St. Louis uh backup going into next year, Joel Hofer who I actually was looking back on how I got him because I didn't even remember. I'm pretty proud of this trade, Victor. This was like uh, one strategy that I've used in these dynasty leagues is, which I guess is like pretty standard to try to sell high. That's not even for dynasty leagues, right? But like if you have a player, but especially I find if you have a player who's about to be a UFA and you know, he's going to get a high salary. I like to try to trade that player away, like before he signs his contract, because maybe people aren't realizing like how crazy it's going to be. And that's actually come to bite me a bit this year because I expected like Bertuzzi and Klingberg and these guys like sign big contracts. And like, I dropped Bertuzzi and you picked him up and I feel like like a real dummy mm-hmm. but i just figured like he was stinking last year and i was in a playoff race right? and i ended up winning so i can't have too many regrets but like you know he was taking up a space on my team that i thought like maddie and i thought we had better use for 
then Bertuzzi wasn't doing anything. And also we were, were able to clear the cap space. Uh, but I just figured like, why would I keep him? Cause probably he's going to end up signing like a seven year, 8 million per year deal or something. And I'm not, I'm not going to keep him anyways. Then he signs for one year in Toronto. So I don't know this past off season has been re- like Tarasenko just signed for like a one year deal for five mil. Like I would have Tarasenko would have been another type of guy. I would try to trade with the same strategy in mind. So maybe I have to rethink it, but this one worked out well for me because I traded Mason Marchment after he had that big uh, breakout in Florida and then he ended up signing this like long-term deal with Dallas and we saw last year like you know he didn't repeat that he didn't even come close I don't even know if he's someone I would have wanted out of free agency if he was on a one-year deal he only had a 37 point pace uh so yeah I traded Marchment for Joel Hofer at the time and he was someone I was planning on dropping anyway so all that to say and I'm being very long-winded Hofer versus uh Tarasov both guys who are going to kind of be backups but you know, I think have potential to steal the job, especially. I mean, especially considering Merzlikens and Bennington were so bad last year. Uh, who, who would you like better between the two? Definitely Hofer, and it has nothing to do with the fact that you have him. But I definitely like Hofer. I think he has a pretty good ch- chance to pull a Bennington actually on Jordan Bennington. I think he's really good. He's he his six starts were really up and down, but he showed that he could hang at the NHL level, and he was really good in AHL last year. The main issue, I think, is that the salary that Bennington has pretty much commands him to be a starter. But I think I think Hofer is better. I have him as my eighth ranked goalie in my prospect rankings, and I think he's really, really good. And the future starter, it's just a matter of what to do with Bennington and his contract as that starts to not look so good. He's basically, Bennington has trended down every single year and every pretty much every metric since he won the Cup and had that crazy, insane Cinderella season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you don't need to even look too much at the uh, underlying numbers to know that Bennington hasn't been that good lately. I know you just recently had, uh, what's his name, Patrick Brown? Or Patrick Brown's a player in the NHL. You had someone no, from... That, the, yeah, that that's, also, also, that's okay. also his name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was something Brown. Okay, yeah, you had Patrick Brown, the St. Louis Blues beat writer, and he seemed... Oh, no, he's Arizona. We had Luke Korak on for St. Louis. Ah, right. Okay, my yeah. mistake. Yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, he seemed kind of high on Bennington. But I, I guess he's like, you know, he's the team's beat writer. So maybe he's trying to be optimistic. But he said that like he, he feels like this year Bennington will will turn it around. And, you know, what was it that he said? Something like when, when it's tough, when it's like there's a lot of pressure on him, that's when he does the best or, or something along those lines. Yeah, he's mentally, you know, pretty stubborn and strong. The other thing I just wanted to mention that, as you mentioned with with Tyler Bertuzzi, again, another reason why you leave yourself cap space. You dropped Tyler Bertuzzi and not a lot of people could pick him up because of his big salary. But since I had the space, I picked him up and then you just kind of see what happens with guys like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know that his salary was going to come in so low, but I picked up a bunch of guys like Klingberg and him and OEL and you see what happens with their salary. And then, you know, come July 1st and, and magically their salary goes down when they resign and you're like, yes. And if they don't, you just drop them, right? Because that's the way it works in this league. If they sign a new contract, you can drop them before it kicks in. But you have to have that flexibility in your cap to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. No, that was a good move. And that was like, even if like, I shouldn't have dropped Bertuzzi. Like, sorry, Maddie. That was, that was a mistake. But we don't really have room for him. I like all the players on my team, like I said. So I don't even know who I would drop to uh, make room for Bertuzzi this year. <laughs> Though, if he's going to be like on the top power play on Toronto, obviously, maybe then I'll regret that. Uh, but especially if there's an injury. Yeah. We'll see how things go for Bertuzzi in Toronto. Uh, here's another random like strategy I'll say. So one strategy I was saying was trade those UFAs, pending UFAs, like before they sign, which might be a good or a bad strategy, but it's something I've been doing. Uh, another one that I liked was, you know, sometimes when a player signs a contract, but it's like they still have one year left in their current contract before like the next one will kick in. I feel like sometimes it's really good to like 
make a trade for one of those players because I think the manager will think like look at that crazy next contract and how like insane it is and how no way I'm going to want that guy but maybe forgetting the fact that in our league anyways we can drop someone like in between their contracts right so like the example here is like I traded for Seth Jones back when like he still had one year left on his deal when he got traded to Chicago and then like he signed like what is it like eight years like nine million some crazy contract like no one would want him probably I think I don't know maybe maybe now with uh Bedard maybe he's a little more interesting to people in Dynasty but uh he had like a year left still with the cheap salary. And I remember we got him actually for pretty cheap. And like, he was like, I considered him a rental. Like my plan was just to like have him for that year. And then I was going to, you know, drop him or try to trade him. So that's another like thing to maybe go for. If someone's just signed a crazy contract, but they're still like under their cheap contract, then maybe the manager is just like, so like, ugh, I'm, this is terrible. I, I want to dump this guy. So actually looking at what the trade was, I ended up uh, getting Seth Jones for Matt Dumba back a couple summers ago and like turned out good like i got and then i actually ended up flipping okay here's another strategy then for dynasty leagues i'll throw out there this is like the probably the number one obvious like win now strategy is like people really undervalue the older players because everyone's like thinking like oh if the player's old like whatever especially if this team doesn't think they're going to win now they're like oh this guy's useless to me so i ended up trading seth jones and a second later on uh and i got pavelski and malkin and I, you know, they've they've been good. Like they're older guys, but they've still been really good each year since I've gotten. Oh, them. that was and, a good one. And I expect them both to be good next year. Like Pavelski's what, like fifty eight years old? I think, or like, you know, whatever, <laughs> thirty eight, yeah. thirty nine. And Malkin is is not getting any younger, but I still expect them to be like key players for my team. And you know, I I traded my Seth Jones, who I was planning on dropping anyways, in a second. So, uh, but anyway, and on the p- on the other end of that. If you're a team that has the cap flexibility, you take Seth Jones and you retain and flip him to another contending team. Mm. You couldn't do that because you didn't have the cap flexibility and it was, it was going to be difficult for you. But, but a, a rebuilding team should absolutely do that because you give Seth Jones at 50%, that's all, all of a sudden an, an immensely valuable player. Yeah, now's a good time to try to do that because... People are probably super excited about him with uh, Bedard coming in, but I'm still like not super sold on Seth Jones. I wonder like if uh, who's the guy Korchinski who they drafted? Mm-hmm. Like, how long is it going to be before Korchinski like takes his spot on the top power play? Probably a couple of years. Yeah, but so, uh, I mean Seth Jones. Yeah, at at that contract, no way. But at half, oh yeah, maybe. he's that's good. That's good yeah. value. And he's also good for the peripherals, for sure. Can I throw a random... This is always when I have you on the show. I just want to throw random prospects at you who I have (laughs) on my team. I added out a free agency. Oh, another strategy. If you're trying to win and you trade all your picks for pros, like Maddie and I have been doing these past few years, is you really want to be watching free agency closely and trying to get those, you know, diamonds in the rough. Like, you know, there are still prospects that kind of, you know, didn't have high draft pedigrees and no one really noticed. And then all of a sudden they're doing well in the minors and then they turn out to actually be something. And like this past year, a good example is uh, Tommy Novak, uh, who Mm. was a total nobody. And he got called up by Nashville. And generally my strategy has been like, I just kind of add any... like you said, we have 30 moves, which isn't that much, but pretty much I, I use the majority of my 30 moves to just add these like players who get called up from the minors because they're minors eligible, they're free to drop, and like you never know what could happen, especially someone who was like doing well in the AHL. Like Novak had been doing well in the AHL, and I saw he was called up. I was like, oh, I'll give him a shot. I think like Nashville had an injury at the time, so he was getting good deployment. And uh, now who knows what he'll do, but he had like a 60 something point pace last year. And I'm curious to see what he can do now in a full season with the Preds. But, anyways, another random. 
Well, yes, that was just like my general advice is like what you have to, if you're trying to win now, you could still get prospects. You have to be extra careful, be following all the right people and keep, keep up with everyone who's, uh, you know, like, like I keep mentioning this guy for Ronkov. I, all I see is that like, he's going to come to Columbus and he's going to get like a million hits and he might even, you know, he was even scoring some goals in the KHL last year, wherever he was playing. Uh, but anyways, the guy I wanted to ask about is Alex Vlasic. I grabbed him out of free agency at the end of last year and, and he's like a D prospect for Chicago. See anything? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking me about Novak. Yeah. Alex Vlasic, who, yes, he is related to Mark Edward Vlasic, uh, cousin, I believe. And yeah, he's he's definitely a banger. And he he did play a bunch of NHL games a couple seasons ago, and then he was kind of strictly in the minors. And then he actually got a couple this year. And I think he was trying to work on his play driving because he he's a little slower. He's much bigger than Mark Edward, but not as good of a skater. <clears throat> so he's he struggles a little bit with some of the pace. But he's definitely, I think, someone who could be like a like a bottom pairing. He's very physical. He's he's huge, six six, two hundred pounds, and he's already shown he can play a little bit in the league and was was pretty good for in the AHL. Not someone who's going to score a lot, but his peripheral coverage should be good. So while he's on that ELC, yeah, definitely Alex Vlasic will give you some some stats and then once he graduates he's probably someone you just drop yeah especially if he's like one of these guys that's like good in real life but not good for fantasy and then he gets like a good contract like the guy samuelson on buffalo who we were talking about oh, offline it's like <laughs> buffalo gave him a big contract and i was like who is this guy because like you know i'm mainly like a fantasy person but apparently under the hood he's like a really valuable player but yeah. not anyone that anyone should be interested in a fantasy league no no um, but yeah, we did actually have a question, like, since you thought I was going to be asking you about Novak, uh, Ryan asked if I could, uh, ask you about the Preds and their youth movement. He was like saying, aside from Novak, it's kind of unclear how all these young guys are going to fit in and what we can expect from them. Uh, is there anyone in particular that, I guess, Luke Evangelista, is he kind of like the main top prospect on the Preds right now? It's interesting between him and Tomasino. There's a couple of decent guys, but actually the one that I keep hearing the most about and from people I talk to that I trust, I think it's Yuso Parsonen. I think that yeah. guy is really good. And everyone, you know, we had Brian Baston on who who runs a site there on the forecheck. And he just talked so glowingly about Parson. What I really liked about what he said is that, you know, a lot of these guys like Tomasino is really fast. Like Evangelista has, you know, pretty good shot and playmaker, but like Parsonen can do everything. He's First of all, he's got good size. He's not small. He's 6'3", 212. He's a little bit slow, but he's got great hands. He's got an amazing shot. He can snipe goals. He can also set up plays. He's got really good vision. So he's not limited to just one thing. He can score in lots of different ways. He just needs a little bit more opportunity and time on ice, and he can do more than what he did. He had a 46-point pace this past season. Uh, most of those were assists, but you give him a little bit better deployment, and I definitely think that he could he could do something with it. Remember Forsberg missed a lot of time. And after he was out, he played a lot with, uh, he played with some Cody glass and Zach Sanford and Yakov Trenin, Cole Smith. Who are these guys? Yeah, exactly. So give uh of Parson a little bit more to work with, which I think he will get this year. And I think that he could really pop off. And that's, that's something Brian was saying. And I, I definitely trust what he says. He's a smart dude. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, interesting prospects here. Like you said, so Evangelista, Parson, and I still kind of consider Cody Glass a prospect because he's 24 now. Maybe he doesn't count anymore. But, you know, last year he finally got his first opportunity. He did decently. Yeah, Tomasino. So they're going to be an interesting team next year. And they still also, they have Philip Forsberg coming back and they signed Ryan O'Reilly. 
and they still have the best goalie maybe in the league and UC Saros or among pound them. for pound or, or definitely inch for inch. <laughs> he's definitely the best <laughs> yeah they also have one of the best defensemen in the league and Roman Yosi and they have Ryan McDonough who's a good like you know shutdown kind of guy so I don't know I feel like Nashville could be surprising next year but it all depends on like if these young guys can step up and actually be contributors for a full season but they're gonna be a fun team to watch uh okay I guess we were going through that draft once again, everybody, normally, uh, you know, there's a podcast with a lot of prep. We have a full plan here. We're, we're going off the cuff. I think it's actually one of the best podcasts that I've done. But uh, just saying, for anyone who's thinking right now, they're like, why is Elon talking about Pred's prospects when just a second ago we were going? We've only gone through 12 of the, the first 12 picks of this uh, prospects draft. Uh, reminder, Lafreniere, Makar, Byfield, Hughes, Quinn Hughes, I should say, Demko, Shostjorkin, Sorokin, Samsonov, Kaprizov, Adam Fox, Jack Hughes, Merzlikins. Uh, let's at least go through the rest of this first round. So next up at 13th, Nick Suzuki was taken. That's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Oh, uh, he has yeah. a big contract, but can't complain with him. Adam Bokvist went next. I still Ooh. remember, yeah, when people thought he had a high pedigree, but that's kind of gone down. Yeah, that was kind of a bust, I would say. Including the next one, I took Kirby Doc, and I struggled with myself because I really... Didn't necessarily want to take him, but I was a little bit swayed by some of the opinions I was reading at the time. And I mean, he's obviously come around and and he still has some upside, but I traded him. So whatever. But he <laughs> definitely didn't work out as good as some of the other ones that are taken right after this. Like Marco Rossi went 16. Still don't know about him, but, you know, still potential. I mean, he got COVID really bad and almost died. So, you know, he's uh, thankfully still playing and healthy. And then. At 17, Tim Stuchla, that's looking really good for Jordan and Kalen. And then Kako went 18th. Yeah, still, I don't, I, I'm still skeptical that he's going to turn out to be anything. And then Trevor Zegas went 19th. And then who, pray tell, went 20th overall, Elon? Yeah, like, look, I won the first year <laughs> and I won the third year. So I feel like I you can't make fun of me too much, but... Maddie was like, like we didn't do well in this prospect draft. We did really well, I think, in the pro draft, and then we made trades and whatever. But uh, we did not make any good picks. I actually have one question I wanted to ask you here. Is there any one that I took in this prospect draft that you'd be interested in? Uh, but yeah, we went with Cal Peterson, a 20, who at the time, everyone was like, oh my god like i can't believe you got him i really wanted him we got trade i'm pretty sure we had a trade offer of like kaprizov at one point that i was like kaprizov and what come on now <laughs> goalies are like worth a lot also like uh in that first year in the pro draft we had only taken two goalies because i was really big on this in my head like you don't need pro goalies right like you don't need goalies at all because you just get them out of free agency because i'd never been in dynasty league before so like we only drafted Ulmark who was like in a tandem in Buffalo at the time, and Thomas Grice, who was, I don't even remember, I guess he was on the Islanders still at the time, maybe. Anyway. It we was had that, that season, yeah. Yeah, so then we ended up uh, gra- drafting a bunch of goalies in the prospects draft, and uh, they were Peterson, and then later on, Francois, Kevin Lankinen, who actually ended up being really good that year, was like, a big part of our win. That was the year when he randomly came to Chicago and was doing stuff. Uh, Joey Decord, who we still have on our team. There's not many players from this draft that I still have, but Decard, actually, I'm kind of excited for next year. He's going to be the backup on Seattle. He just had a good playoffs. And a Sam Montembeau, who maybe I gave up on too soon. Uh, so we took a bunch of goalie prospects, and they all kind of stunk. And no one stunk worse than Cal Peterson, because not only did he stink, but he signed a big contract that I ended up having to like pay to dump. And 
I got so many good trade offers that we turned down because we kept on thinking he was going to be good. You thought he was going to be really good. I remember you oh, talk about him yeah. and how he was going to... You even got paid for a cameo at one point and like yeah. played it on your podcast. Yeah, no, I was right there. I was right there with you. I mean, I wouldn't have taken him that high, but I definitely was was in the camp that I, I definitely thought Peterson was going to be much better than he is now. So, I, I mean... I don't necessarily, I don't really blame you for that pick. I think it was earlier than I would have taken him, but I think in the first two, three rounds, he would have gone for sure. Like no, no doubt. Like someone was going to take him relatively early and you yeah, guys at, ended up doing it. Yeah. At the time also, like I was really big on like, and I was trying to convince Maddie, like we're trying to win year one. I don't care. So like I wanted our prospect picks to be like guys who were going to play also that year yeah. and be swing yeah. eligible. So Kyle Peterson was going to be the backup for quick. And then the next <clears> pick, because then we had the uh, flip around there and we had 21st overall and we took uh, John Marino, a terrible pick, but he had just come off a really good rookie season with Pittsburgh. Um and looked like potentially he could be like their like top pairing guy. Like, I don't know. I was high on him at the time. And I have uh, to say, this is one of the picks that we all made fun of so much at the time. But I think as you can all hear, there were definitely just as bad or worse picks in that first round. So it was not a great pick, especially some of the guys that came after him. But I know you all guys also moved on from him relatively quickly. So it ended up not being so bad. We ended up actually getting a D. De- I forget what it was. We traded him and actually got something for him, which I was shocked about. Like I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was something like somewhat useful at least at the time. But uh, yeah, that obviously I've been made fun of a lot about the John Marino pick, so we can just move on uh, from there. Yeah, some good picks right afterwards, which uh, yeah, I definitely see feel a lot of regret <laughs> as I see them now again. Uh, but yeah, Dylan Cousins went next, who had a huge uh, breakout last year for Buffalo. What do you think about Buffalo? We had that question about the, uh, you know, the Preds youth movement, but also like the Sabres have so many exciting young prospects. I guess you were talking about how you traded away Paterka, but like between Cousins. No, I got Paterka. I got. Oh, you got Paterka. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. So so there's him. Oh, wait, no, I got him and then traded him. You're right. I actually (laughs) did both within this last year. (laughs) I see. Okay. So I'm just going to list some uh, Sabres prospects. I'd be curious to get your general take on like who's number one, like what's like a ranking here of like uh, all guys like under like, let's say 24. You've got like Cousins. I guess Casey Middlestat is still around. Uh, Paterka. Uh, I guess I won't even get into the defense. Obviously, like it's exciting with Owen Power. But yeah, then you have like Jack Quinn, who came in last year and was really good. I remember people used to make fun of them for that pick. But uh, it's, I think now people I did. really like him. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think now, Rossi or Jack Quinn? Who do you think is going to turn out to be the better player? Because that was the big debate at the time. Oh, man. Uh, it's got it's to be Quinn. I mean, he's already there. He's already doing it. And, and Rossi hasn't. Hasn't come into his own yet. I think it's tougher as a center. Rossi made a huge step this last year, but um, yeah, I think I have to eat a little crow on that one. It definitely seems like Quinn. And just to plug some of my stuff a little bit on with Fantasy Hockey Life, if you're a patron, you can see actually organizational ranks. So I can just tell you what the Buffalo ranks are. It is Owen Power, number two, number one. No, no debate there. Jack Quinn at two. Matt Savoy at three. Then Noah Oshland and Wait, Yuri so this Kulich. is Cousins. Cousins isn't listed then, right? I assume. Cousins is not. Cousins graduated, so he's not. This is under, we do it under 100. Under I 100 see. games played, yeah. Out so of curiosity then, now that since you've gotten to Quinn and you've gotten to Oshland, like, where would you rank Cousins in that list? That is a really tough question. You know, Cousins really broke out this le- this last year. I mean, I'm thinking in a cap league because that contract he signed, like he basically is making similar to what 
Tage Thompson is making. And I think we can all agree that we'd rather have Tage Thompson and his amazing production. But the the two are making like $42,000 apart or, or, you know, wit and change. And I don't think that Cousins is going to live up to that same potential. But he almost hit a, you know, a, a 70 point pace. But most unlike, unlike Thompson, who we've I think can kind of believe what he's doing now. A lot of cousins metrics were out of line. They were a little high on his IPP and his shooting percentage. And I'm just not convinced that he's still on an upward trajectory. I think he might be someone who settles into that range, you know, like 65, 70, 75, maybe. I don't think he's got Tage Thompson, like point per game plus in him. Is right. I guess what I'm saying, but I still really like him. So to answer your question, probably probably behind Quinn, I think, because I think Quinn still has a little bit more upside. So it's probably like hmm. third or so. But actually, I need to adjust this because I need to move Yuri Kulik way up. The guy had an insane... Oh, actually, this is organized wrong. Sorry. Devin Levi is second. Yeah, that makes sense. He's going to be an awesome goalie. I think he is going to be the starter in Buffalo, and he's incredible. Do you think like next season? I guess is it like already going to be like Levi and Ukopeka Lukanen as the two goalies for next year? I think it's going to be Levi. So I, I was skeptical about that. And I talked to a lot of people, including a bunch of people who cover Buffalo. And they all said, yeah, like it's going to be Levi this year. And I am still a little skeptical because that's a lot to ask for a really young guy to just step in and play, you know, 50, 60 games. He probably won't play that many, but he'll he'll probably be the man and be pretty wow. valuable in redraft. Yeah. So if you could get him later, like, wow. That would be great. So anyways, those are, I don't know how far down the list you want me to go, but no, Power, Levi, Quinn, Kulik, and then probably Savoy, and Oslin, Paterka, Lukanen, something like that. This is a scary team. Like, they have a lot of good prospects. Yeah. No, they're they're a very good team, and especially with the maturation of Darlene, and you got Power there. I mean, they're just, yeah, they're scary. Yeah, <laughs> no one team. knew that, Tage Thompson. Actually, I was looking back. So again, like like uh, we were saying at the start, like there was the prospects draft and there's also the pro draft of the players who had played uh, at least 82 games for the skaters. And I was like looking through the, like the later rounds and it was like, we went, we did 26 rounds. Like there was like real nobodies taken at the end there, uh, except for one glaring exception, which is Tage Thompson got taken uh, in the t- 23rd round, 451st overall. Oh, my gosh. That was a really good pick. <laughs> that was a really good pick. Shout out to Kevin and Mike for that one. That was incredible. Yeah, I looked and like I couldn't find another pick of a player that I'd want and like going up you know like there was definitely no one after that i'd be interested in and then like going earlier and again this is round 23 at round 20 i see uh sam bennett and adam larson who still have like value in this mm-hmm. league and yeah. then like you know no but no one close to tage thompson like it, it's incredible that they got him so late so that was great i guess like he was really just no one believed in him when he was a blues prospect just for context other guys taken in that round matthias janmark Josh Levo, Tyler Mott, Cody Eakin, <laughs> like Vinny Henestroza. These are the types of players that were available, and they plucked Tage Thompson out of that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so how, how far do you want to go on this uh, look back here? We can post the link to this spreadsheet for the patrons to sure. listen to here. I'll post in the Discord. Uh, but maybe we can just read through all of round two just to th- yeah. uh, finish that off, and then we can like just discuss whoever we want here. 
Yeah, I have a couple of gems after that. So yeah, round two went Marino, Cousins, Natchez, Perfetti, Raymond. That was mine. Morgan Frost, Yaroslav Askarov went 27th. That's looking pretty good. Alex Holtz, Alex Newhook, Cole Caulfield, another one of mine. Nice. Cody Glass, Nick Robertson, Philip Zadina, Bowen Byram, Evan Bouchard, Connor McMichael, Vasily Podkolzin, and Jake Ottinger. Went 38th, Kapokakinen and Spencer Knight. So just a couple I wanted to mention real quick. Jake Jake Ottinger, I oh, I made a list so I can count how many, how many down he went. But that was an incredible pick. You're talking the eighth goalie off the board, and he's like probably one of the best, certainly in terms of this cap setup, where you know you want someone really good, but also that doesn't cost a ton. And Jake Ottinger making four million is like amazing right so we just saw Sorokin Shostjerkin they they all getting paid the ones that are good got paid a ton Demko you know a little bit more than that but he was an incredible value especially getting him so late definitely one of the ones that worked out the best I would say so good job Alex Ben on that one and the another one that I wanted to shout out was Bowen Byram getting him 34th overall Fred got him there he is so good. I think people are skeptical. Like, how good can he be on a team that has Kale McCarr? But Bowen Byram is so freaking good. Like, even if he doesn't have top power play, and even with some of the other defensemen in there, I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's too outlandish to say he was a huge reason why they won the cup that year. Like, he was obviously McCarr and all the other guys. But if they didn't have another really strong puck mover and offensive defenseman like Byram, I'm not sure they would have had the depth, you know, to be able to pull it off. So. I really think Byram is is amazing, and his his salary this year is you know not too bad. It's gonna it's gonna go up once he finally does get his his big payday. But you know he's only making three, just under four million for the next couple, and he pushed his RFA deal a little bit longer. But that's really good value for someone who's gonna do as well as he does. But I mean, like, I'm curious because you're talking about how valuable he was for Colorado when they won the cup and all that. But like, he only had like nine assists in 20 games. So as far as fantasy goes, he hasn't been especially valuable. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that you're like talking about Byron when he went a pick before Evan Bouchard, who I feel like a lot of people are thinking next year. And why not with how he ended last season for fantasy, he's going to explode. Maybe Byram is a... Uh, like, are you kind of saying... Because I think right now you can still get... Like, all that to say, like, I think you can get Byram for cheap now in Dynasty that, yeah. in a lot of leagues. So are you saying that's what I a mean. great... Do you think yeah. now is like a good buy time? You think like the offense yeah. is going to come at some point? I've I've bought him... Well, actually, if you look at his underlines, the offense is there. The offensive generation, the expected goals is there. The play driving is there. It hasn't completely translated. Part of it, he's just been injured a lot. And so he doesn't have the games played. But and, and the time on ice. But yeah, I think this is a good time to buy Bowen Byram. And even in a cap league, you know, we have a couple of years of, of decent contract. But yeah, he's he's someone who I think really can pop off. I mean, you're right. Bouchard definitely. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of great picks in, in that round, but I think um, it's taken a while for Byram. And I still think that he's got a lot to, to show. Cool. And then like looking at round three here, I'm seeing Moritz Sider was taken at 41st overall. That worked out really well. I guess last year was a bit of a a down year, but like uh, still really valuable, especially in the multi-cat league. Uh, I'll keep going. Yamamoto. Now we get to a lot of guys have, have, you know, not turned out too well. Yamamoto, Brandstrom, Turcotte, Kaliev, Sandine. Maybe there's something. Valimaki, maybe there's something. Ty Smith, Drysdale, maybe there's something. (laughs) Barrett Hayton. That was a really nice uh, breakout this year. Finally, uh, coming Boldy. around. Yeah, and then Matt yeah. Boldy right after him, and then Noah Dobson after him. So, yeah, there were some really good picks here. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Those are good ones. And, and even Gabe Velarde going 56 to the Kings fan in our in our pool. And, and it didn't look so good for a while, but that's really that's really come around. And he's, you know, obviously at Winnipeg now. We'll see what happens. But he he definitely showed that he's, you know, really capable of scoring. So uh, what should we do here? I wanted to ask you one question, just a, a selfish question. Is there any pick I made in this draft that's a player that you would want. That was just something I thought would be a, a fun thing. So you could do one last making fun of me for how bad I did in this draft. So I'm going to give you the list of who I ended up with. <laughs> well, I have I'll... a list. Let me say it. Let me say okay. it. Okay. And I'll pause when they're when they're decent. So <laughs> Cal Peterson, we talked about. John Marino, we talked about. Pavel Frensos. You know, I mean, he he played and he had, I think you traded him for something. Alex I traded Texier. him to you. Actually, I wanted to right. ask you, yeah, you your thoughts on me. that trade. I traded him to you for yeah. Broberg, who still hasn't done anything, but he also has never given the opportunity. Do you think there's a yeah. chance that I'll end up being able to make fun of you about how you gave up Broberg for Franzos or is he probably going to just end up being a nobody forever? I, I think he's a depth defenseman, right. not a nobody. Like he's going to play, he's going to do stuff, but you know, I mean, yeah, maybe you won that, but I, I got a goalie that I needed. I needed some games. Of course, Franzos is always friggin' injured. I ended up trading him, so I don't have him anymore, but yeah, that was, that was a good trade for you. I mean, I think the one thing I'll say about a lot of these quote unquote bad picks is you moved on from them relatively quickly and got what you could for them when you, when you had a chance then you had Alex Texier, who, you know, hasn't really done much. Joe Valeno, Leas Anderson, Pew Suter, who had a moment. You know, he was all right. Yeah, but He was good for us that... in our first season when we won, so I couldn't complain yeah. too much again. That's what you wanted. He's out of the league now, so whatever. Christian Veselainen doesn't look like he's going to be an NHL. Or Kevin Lankinen was probably your best pick, and I still think, and I've heard, I've heard you say this on the podcast, and I just want to tell you that I agree with you. Kevin Lankinen, I think, is a good goalie. I think he had a really bad stretch there where things kind of fell apart after Chicago. But if you look at his underlines and they actually re um, I was talking with one of the, I forget who it was, one of the goalie experts and we were saying how he completely rehabbed his game and the underlying su- support that he's actually done really well this past year. So of course, you know, Saros is not giving up the net, but I think he's a good, you know, he could play 30, 40 games and, and be decent. So that was a good pick. Then you picked well, a couple of sharks. I don't have them anymore. So oh, oh well. well, it was a good pick then. You picked a couple of sharks, which is a huge mistake. Noah Gregor, Daniil Gushin. <laughs> hey, Gushin, I'm actually I was hoping Gushin was gonna be the guy you're gonna say is my good one. Ah uh, no. He he I'm sorry. came in for a couple games last year and got like a goal and an assist. There are people who believe I don't. I've seen him play. I've seen him play in person several times. And the thing is, he's just he's just a peripheral perimeter player. And I don't think that he has I, I don't think he has the potential to really kind of round mm. it out. Um, well, I'm I'm so. hoping every single time, if slash when, of course, uh like if uh Gushin ends up like doing stuff next season or at some point, and I and I talk about him keeping Carlson about like as a potential FA ad or whatever. I'm going to every time mention how like the guy that Victor thinks is a nobody, Daniel Gushin, scored again. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, so Thank not you. him. Oh, no. So Flanken <laughs> is my best pick of this draft. That really sucks. Uh, in didn't really end up doing much. Joel Kiviranta, I mean, he had a moment. He had a hat trick in the playoffs. That was cool. But yeah, he's not. I don't think that he's anyone. Count. <laughs> Zach Whitecloud, no. Brett Berard, no. Shane Bowers, no. Joey Decord, sure. I mean, I think there's, like you said, there's some potential there. It didn't look good for a while, but he has... He has come around, and he he's going to be playing NHL games probably. So that one's not bad. Ryan Johnson seems like he's flamed out as a as a Buffalo prospect. What? Brendan. Oh, Victor, you're killing me! I thought he was going to be. He just signed. They just signed him. He's hadn't even played a game yet. He just got finished college. He's going to play next year. He's going to be huge. 
Mm, Everyone no. watch out for Ryan Johnson on the Sabres. Okay, you can all believe Elon. Where does he rank on your Sabres uh, prospects <laughs> ranking? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. He's not Let's on the see. list. That's fine. He, uh, where is he? He's not in the top 15. So That's fine. Oh, no, there he is. He is there. He is like 12th. You never know. I still have Saying him. there's a chance. Okay, and then Brendan Gooley didn't quite work out in L.A. Rudolph Spalsers, hey, he was all right for a little bit. Yeah. And then he, he's not in the NHL anymore, right? Didn't he leave? He went I actually traded him to you. Europe. He's another guy I traded to you. I gave you Balsers oh, right. and someone for like a pick. Yeah, and he did stuff for a little bit. Philip Chlapik, Brett Leeson, not interesting. Trent Frederick, do you still have him? No, I dropped him. I think he might even still be in free. Oh, no, someone added him out of free agency. Once he like lost his minor's eligibility, I dropped him because he wasn't doing anything. Because he's kind of interesting. Depends on what he signs for. We just talked to Fluto Shinzawa this morning, and he was talking about how they definitely are going to sign him, which is part of the reason they're not going to be able to get a top-line center, which is kind of hilarious. But he is a good depth player, and he might end up playing higher in the lineup than he should because of Boston's center issues. So Trent Frederick, a guy to maybe keep an eye on in terms of you know cap leagues. Right. Then David Gustafson, no, Sam Montembeau, I <laughs> was amazed with what he did this year, but yeah, I don't know that he has the staying power. Oh, hey, and then let me ask you about this guy on Montreal who I added on a free agency yeah. at one point, uh, Dobesh. Oh, Jacob I, Dobesh. Yeah. No, he's good. Nice. So you don't yeah. need to draft well. You just need to find these guys in free agency before Victor talks about them on their podcast. <laughs> It's true. We did we did talk about Dobesh and you know, they have Keaton Primo who just hasn't really worked out. They just drafted probably their next starting goalie and Jacob Fowler, but he's like he's like five years away. So you don't have to worry about him for a while. Dobesh, I think, is is pretty close to being NHL ready. So yeah, you you got a good one there for sure. Nice. Okay. Well, Glad, glad, glad to get something from you. Uh, so basically, <laughs> what I'm learning from this, Elon, is you should draft goalies because you're not terrible at that, except for Peterson. <laughs> yeah, I guess okay. Yeah, but we it's, all it's, we all thought he was going to be good, so can't blame you. You know what? Like going into next season, I'm actually kind of happy about like I have cheap goalies. Like, oh, another guy I got at a free agency who worked out really well was Phoenix Copley. And again, this is a guy, oh, yeah. this is a league where every goalie and even most of the like AHL starters are taken. But as soon as uh, uh, Peterson got waived, right, he got waived to be called, sent down, and they hadn't even announced it who they were going to call up. But as soon as I saw that Peterson was waived last year, I saw that Copley was available in our league. And I just jumped on him because I assumed that probably will be him because I saw that he was the starter in the AHL. And he turned out to be great, a big part of our win last year. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that, that was huge. Yeah, I think that the yeah the real takeaway is you have to be like an obsessed nerd if you want to like try to win now and trade away all your picks and still have okay prospects or have a chance to win once all your guys age out is you have to just be always on top of free agency all the time which I know a lot of people in the league don't even like me for because they feel like I'm doing too much streaming and too much like free agency stuff and it's supposed to be more of like a long term thing like I use my thirty moves every year without a doubt and we get like seven buyouts a year. I pretty much always use all my seven buyouts because I could use some of my moves to grab guys on one-year contracts and I know I'll just buy them out, you know, some point later. So, for what yeah, it's worth. No, it's not the definitely. true way to play Dynasty, but I'm a grinder. <laughs> well, you use the you use the rules. You maximize the opportunity and every advantage you have. That's certainly true. 
There's a there, here, let me throw one more random guy at you. I know we're starting to run short on time here. I, I feel like I could just talk to you about this like forever. I'm so glad that I, if one person enjoys this podcast, I'll be happy because I'm, <laughs> I'm having fun. Uh, I grabbed a guy at a free agency and he was doing actually pretty well until he got injured. His name is Cole Gutman on Chicago. And uh, I was reading like some stuff from uh, on The Athletic. Uh, I don't know, saying that he might be some like a guy who will make the team next year and potentially has like top six upside. Do you know this person? Have you heard of him? I have heard of him. He's, I think, just a filler guy. I don't, I don't necessarily think he's anything special, but he he's going to play games probably. So especially on that roster, okay. So not he's someone exciting. who's going to put up some stats, but yeah, not not anyone that you should like, you know, move to the top of your pool or anything like that. All right. So I guess at this point. Yeah. Anything else you want to bring up actually from this draft? Like any other like kind of late steals that jumped out at you that you wanted to give people kudos for? Obviously, I don't get any kudos for any of these picks, but maybe <laughs> someone else could get some kudos for something. There's some good ones, definitely. Like at 62, Brett picked Jason Robertson. That oh, was looking amazing, <laughs> especially considering Nick Robertson went 30 spots earlier and we still haven't really seen much from him. So Is yeah. Maddie still here in the chat? I blame him. You should have said that we should take Jason Robertson. We took Pavel Francouz, and then right afterwards, Jason Robertson got taken. That's ridiculous. You were thinking about it, yeah. Well, I don't know if we were. Probably not. I probably hadn't even heard of him at the time. <laughs> he was a really good one, and obviously, what a superstar he's become. He's been taken like routine in our mock drafts. He's taken the first round of every mock draft. So he's like a, a first-round caliber fantasy guy that was taken the fourth round here. Wow. Yeah, and... Did Josh Norse right after at 71 with Kevin Mike. That's looking really good. I mean, basically top line center on a good team. Obviously, he had some injuries, but that's a really good one. And I expect big things from him next year. That Ottawa, that Ottawa top six looking really good, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Brian and I will talk about, uh, we were planning on talking about today, but like, uh, so Brian and I will do our next episode next Sunday. We'll definitely dive into the Tarasenko signing and how that all shakes up. The thing with Ottawa is now like they have nine, I think, power play one caliber players. And there's only mm-hmm. five spots. So I don't know if that means that just some players are going to lose out or are they just going to go 50-50, uh, in which case maybe everyone loses out in terms of fantasy. Because, you know, throw Shane Pinto in there and you got 10. Like, you could have two pretty decent power plays. Like, don't forget, they have three defense. They have Chikrin, Sanderson, and Shabbat. Like, I feel like it could all be PP1 quarterbacks on some team in the league. Where was Jake Sanderson taken in this draft, by the way? Or was he not? had he not been uh, drafted yet? At this point, was he available? Oh, yeah, he was taken at 81st overall. That was a very good pick by uh, Shane and Adam. He's going to be really good, I think. Do you concur that Jake Sanderson is going to be really good? I think he's going to be better IRL than in yeah. fantasy, but I still think he'll be good. Like, the obviously, the Shikran signing didn't help him very much. I think he was in line for a power play two role and some decent perifs. But Jake Sanderson's a very good player. He's probably one of these guys that'll just, you know, he, he'll play a lot of minutes and rack up some stats. But I don't know that he's going to be more than a 30, 40 point guy until he can get some power play time, which I don't think he's going to get with those two ahead of him. But you're absolutely right with the stacked top six. I mean, yeah, I mean, I. Th- we, you could talk about exactly who it is. It's probably going to come down to the role and, and who fits what role on the on the power play. And remember, Norris was kind of the trigger man. And so is that going to still be the case now that they have Tereshenko or is it going to be different? So I, I'm curious to see, but that, te- that team is definitely looking good. I I remain skeptical and still will probably never fully believe in Yunus Corpusalo, but it's interesting to see what will happen with him. I mean, he was so good last year. 
The Sens just need to but be the good Kings, for like the, one year. The Kings defense. Is, but he was, was good really on good. Uh, Columbus before he went to the Kings. How, how do you explain mm. that one? A little bit. He was up and down. There were times where he was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely think the Sens overpaid and, and gave uh, too much term, but there's a chance, yeah. right? You never know with goalies. Maybe he's like, because also the thing chance. with goalies is they could like learn. Like it's so, it's such a game. Of, I know nothing about hockey, right? Like I just know fantasy hockey, but like my sense is it's like a game of inches, especially if you're a goalie where like, if you just get a little bit faster or a little bit like better reflex or whatever, you're going to like, you could change your whole, whatever, you know, you talk to Kat Silverman every week. So what mm-hmm. did, did you get a chance to ask her about uh, Corpusalo at some point? Well, we usually don't talk about the pro goalies, but I have talked to other goalie people about him. And and the thing is, he just needs the right system because he's so athletic and reflexive that he needs to not move around too much. He needs to know exactly where the shot is coming from. And when he gets a little too wild and too kind of moving around and, and moving side to side and relying too much on his reflexes, that's when he gets absolutely exposed. And that's what happened at times in Columbus. But when he was able to settle down and kind of have more structure, then he can look really good because he can make those recovery saves. It's it's always it's all about the system though. And, and that's actually something that Kevin Woodley talks a lot about on his podcast is that the teams don't I think think enough about that. They just kind of think, oh this guy is good. I want him. Instead of like, is this the type of system that we want and the coach that's going to play a system that's good for this goalie. Right. I'm not sure that's going to be the case in Ottawa. So I think they might end up having some buyer's remorse. And I think Forsberg is actually a better fit for how they're going to play. So we'll see. Anton Forsberg, he's uh yeah, but he kind of forgotten, you know, after he like had such a bad injury last year. But two seasons ago, he was looking like he was going to be their starter for a while. He was looking really good. By the way, I'm looking, so I'm looking way down this list now. One fifty seven, Troy Terry, that was a pretty good pull. Yeah, super late. He's that was really good. There are a bunch of late goalies too. I took Dostal at ninety one. I think he's going to be the next starter in L A. Huso at one hundred one. Jeremy Anaheim. Swayman. What did I say? LA? LA? Yeah, Anaheim. Sorry. Uh, Jeremy Swayman at 102. That's pretty good. Joel Hofer went at 143. I know you have him now, but that, well, he was drafted really late. Some, you definitely were saying some good uh, that Hofer was number eight on your list of goalies. Mm-hmm. And you said someone else was like number 11 who we were talking about before. Out of curiosity, where do you have Justice Anunin? Is he on the list? Of course. Yeah. I'm actually going to talk to Kat about him this week, but I have him currently at 27. Mm. I think that his upside is maybe a little lower, but he's, I think he's the only one there. So in Colorado. So if he, he has the opportunity, if he can, if he can harness that, it seems like he's had a kind of up or down development, but I'm, I'm eager to see what he, what she has to say about him. Yeah. I guess like, you know, Georgiev was kind of like nothing in on the Rangers. And last year, uh, he was one of the top goalies in fantasy just because he was on Colorado. So definitely a lot of fantasy value for goalies is not just about how good the goalie is. It's just like what team you're on. And if you're getting starts, Man, okay. So I guess, uh, do you have anyone else? I I think we probably need to wrap this up, but I want to keep going. So hard. The only other one I wanted to mention, uh, round five, Dawson Mercer, who I know you guys ended up acquiring, but that was a really good pick by Brad. He was, he's a good player. And I think that, you know, maybe he's not top of the lineup kind of guy, but that was a really good one. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of pretty good late picks actually. So uh, it's it's kind of interesting to look back and see where these guys would have gone. I know that a lot of us would do it uh, differently. Oh, of course, <laughs> we did it again. So Dawson Mercer is like one of these guys who I worry about. Just like the Devils, you know, picked up to Foley in the off season. Like they keep adding 
good assets and it's just like uh i guess is mercer he has to be good enough to like crack a top six that already has meyer hughes brat he sheer to foley so i guess there's still room for for one more unless i'm missing someone but they also still have palat who i guess is probably could just be a bottom six guy but uh yeah it's a, a very strong team that's for sure but do you think that mercer like what kind of upside are you expecting from him well, he's definitely one of these guys that's kind of too good, you know, two way for his own good because he's he's really responsible. He's the kind of guy that you can throw on any line and instantly you have, you know, kind of two way presence and you can unleash the potential of some other guys, which is why he might end up playing with someone like Meyer, who is really not good two ways. So he could be a good compliment. And he's also, you know, more of a passer playmaker and he could he could really help set up someone like that. So it's really going to depend on the fit, but he's also really fast. So he can play with like your brats and your, in your Hughes's, which I don't think Palak really can anymore. And Holtz as good of a shot as he has, he's pretty slow. And luckily they have some decent centers now because the other issue is Mercer can play center. So having him as your third line center is, is you're pretty happy about that, but we obviously want him to play right wing up in the top six. And I think he could do either of those things. So it kind of depends on what they let him do. But I think he has 70, 80 point upside if he gets that, if he gets that right role that we all want. But we just, we don't know if it's going to happen or not. Yeah, he's definitely someone that I would look at like last pick, you know, of a draft for a one-year league uh, for next year. Because I think he's going to be overlooked. He didn't have like amazing stats last year, but he did have a stretch where he was like on fire and was getting points every game. But it all kind of washed out to just 56 points overall, which no one's going to get excited about. But I think there's definitely potential, like you're saying, if he's like on the wing or playing with Timo Meyer, like that could be pretty good. Uh, but okay, Victor, obviously we can go on forever. We'll do another show at some point soon. If you if you want to talk more about this, just invite me on to Fantasy Hockey Life. I'll come on and talk just forever uh, about this. And obviously you and I just need to talk offline at some point about what we're going to do about this team that I'm joining you. I'm, I'm like, this is really fun, people. Like Victor has a team in this uh, league that he's in that apparently he's been in for a while. And he invited me to be his co-manager and, and I'm going to finally like be... Like in the lion's den here, like I'm going to learn all the great prospect tips because I'll be able to just go to him and be like, and it won't be just like self-serving. Like, hey, Victor, what do you think of this guy? And he's like, oh, join the Patreon, like, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> uh, now, now it's just like, oh, we got to talk to strategist for the team. I am a patron, of course. I don't think I'm a high you're, enough you're, patron, though. You are our first patron. Ah. Elon. You are our very first patron. And, and actually, I just want to put a plug in for, not ourselves, but I want to put a plug in for having a co-GM. I think it's super fun. And oh, especially yeah. when you have different skills, like, you're much better at like the streaming and looking at kind of short term who's like, who's like, you know, playing in the lineup now. And sometimes I get caught gazing at the horizon a little bit and who's going to be good, you know, too long from now. And so it's nice to have people that have complementary skills and, and just something that you can run a trade by, you know, we talked about some trades at the beginning that maybe some people would have been like, what are you thinking? You know, and, and sometimes we don't have a co-GM the to kind of put you in check or to run things by it can be difficult you know and obviously there are places like you know our our discords and stuff where people can post things but it's really nice to be able to have in-depth discussions with someone who's as invested as you are so definitely a good time i i know some people have had horror stories about you know like maybe getting arguments with stuff but i haven't really had that we've had some i've had some disagreements here and there but it's usually just because you look at things differently and it's been really positive so i've enjoyed it 
That's cool. Yeah, we barely gotten started. So hopefully you'll still have good reviews <laughs> a year from now. Uh, but yeah, no, I've always enjoyed having code jams. Like Maddie and I are code jams in this league and we've become good friends. Like honestly for me, like especially now that I have a kid, like I feel like I don't have as much time to go out like with real life friends. So at least like, but I had, I spent a lot of time last year just chatting with Maddie and also with John Reed who I was a code GM with in, the, in another league. And it's like, I'm making friends this way. So I'm not like a, a complete loser. Like I'm playing fantasy, but at least I'm <laughs> chatting with people while I do it. So uh, yeah, I also will advocate for having a co-GM if you can do it. Um, Victor, anything else you want to plug before I let you go here, aside from your two amazing podcasts? Yeah, that would that'd be good. Obviously, yeah, I'm on Dollar Prospects Report with Peter Harling, Fantasy Hockey Life with Jesse. I also wanted to just mention that we have created a league that we're called that we call the Tier Dynasty. And if you like the Cupful, this is basically a dynasty version of the Cupful, inspired by the Cupful. It's a tiered version where you have basically your team and you can get promoted up to different, you know, the top division. We had the first season last year where everyone was kind of in the same division. The top four went up to create what we called Lord Stanley's, Lord Stanley's, you know, top division. And so all the best of the best are competing against each other. It's not a hundred percent a true dynasty because when you go up in a tier, you can't really take your players with you. So those guys will draft a new team, but we've kind of got it set up now that only like one or maybe two teams from each division will get promoted and relegated each year. So those teams will kind of be vacated, but then you're going to get uh, most everyone else will just keep their team and you'll kind of try to, you know, re evaluate and it's all based on promotion and consolation brackets so you kind of work your way up and work and and if you do poorly you, you get relegated down to the bottom so this is a kind of patron of fantasy hockey life perk and it's a really fun league there's tons of gms and actually we just this is brand new elon but we actually just had made a website with uh, one of our friends brandon who's a great patron if you go to www.fantasyhockeylife.com forward slash tidy t-i-d-y you can read all about it and if you think you're good at dynasty fantasy come come you know take it to the next level and come join our tier dynasty and see how you can do there yeah i mean victor and jesse are like if they're running it it's gonna be good okay like i'm in this league with victor and aside from the fact that he should have vetoed the uh marshawn and Ovi for <laughs> quinn hughes trade uh, like he's a good gm and i would definitely recommend <laughs> joining this league it sounds like a lot of fun and uh yeah like he mentioned also the keeping carlson ultimate fantasy league you could play in two leagues right so join our league and join his league uh we just uh passed our 400th registrant uh, so we'll see if we could beat last year. We had a really fun year last year. We had a lot of people, but we're ready to go. Like uh, Kevin's been building all these cool automations so that we're going to be like on top. We're going to be like more on top of uh, you. We could have a thousand people in like, you know, whatever, uh, like 60 different leagues. And we'll be like on top of all of them, like and, and making sure that everyone's having a good time and that like the chats are active and that everyone's active. Our big goal this year Brian thinks it's like, uh, anyway, like my big goal is like no inactive teams. Like, I just want to like, we're going to cat, we're going to have bots. They're going to catch if like someone has like, you know, given up their team. Cause we usually end up filling up a wait list after the season starts. People who like, Oh, I, I wanted to sign up. I forgot or whatever. And then it's like, uh, so we're going to hopefully be able to just be like churning through that wait list as soon as someone, cause people like, Oh, and by the way, if you did sign up for the couple, I'm sure that someone who's like two hours into this, like dynasty podcast, isn't the type of person that is going to be like this. But if you did sign up and then like, partway through you're like not happy with how it's going or whatever i would encourage you to just keep playing and just try to have fun but like don't bail without saying goodbye right it's it's nicer to just like be like hey i don't want to play anymore 
can you uh, replace me versus just completely disappearing? And then we have to have our, our bots that Kevin's uh, is building to try to catch it in time. Because, you know, we don't also want to just kick somebody out. Like we still have to message the person and be like, hey, we noticed you haven't been active. You, pl-, you know, sometimes people have just like, you know, have a personal life. So there's something going on. That's, anyway, I'm blabbing. Uh, but all that to say, it's a, the polite thing to do to let us know. So that, uh, but why am I saying that? Join that league. Uh, listen to Fantasy Hockey Life. Join the Tidy. Listen to a Dauber Prospects report. Uh, and stay, obviously, a subscribe to Keeping Carlson if you like this episode. And if you liked our last episode where Brian and I were talking about the players, I made that spreadsheet of players who were had like a very different first halves from second halves. And we talked through a bunch of them. We still have a lot more to get to. Na- next episode will be a lot of folks on players who were a lot worse in the second half than the first half. And we'll try to dive into what happened there. Uh, so yeah, all you have to do is be subscribed. And you'll get all the episodes. But Victor, it's been so awesome having you here. And I will talk to you, I guess, yeah, around a month, month and a half. We'll go over Calder candidates. And we've already been kind of talking about it. This is going to be, a, that's going to be a really fun episode. Like there's Bedard, but there's also like a lot of other really exciting guys. Arizona just signed Cooley. You know, Luke Hughes is probably going to play his first year. Like there's a lot of guys that it's going to be a very interesting Calder race next year, I think. It's going to be one of the best, I think, definitely. And and all and a lot of them are going to be fantasy relevant and keeper redrafts too, not just Dynasty. So, yeah. yeah, thanks for having me on and looking forward to chatting offline about our team and, and coming back and talking Calder candidates. Awesome. Okay, thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until uh, that episode next week, just everyone, please try your best to continue making it that fantasy hockey is for everyone. 